Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Omar Project. Before we get started, I want to make sure I invite you to join the OmarProject.com. That's spelled O-M-A-R, because you can get a lot of great insight on project management, the skills you need to up your game, and also learn from the best project managers in the world on the most complex projects. Hey guys, I hope you guys had a great week. I definitely did. Took some vacation time, spent some time at the beach, recharging the batteries, which is always important. And in this week's episode, we have some great questions. So let's get right back to it and jump into it. So we've got two main topics we're going to be talking about today. The first is around managing separate activities and what software is available to, to do these things. Uh, it's a common question. We'll go through it. And the second part is a more organizational question, which is about decision-making and sticking to it. So let's get started with the first question from Pam from Michigan. I'm looking into using software to help with managing all the activities we have going on. I have a lot of separate projects that all have individual tasks. I'm wondering what your recommendation is for the best solution to manage this. Hey, Pam, thank you for the question. I think this is a very common question. I know it's a very common question. Most people, and especially people that aren't familiar with uh, software, or even if you're a project manager, it doesn't mean you're going to be familiar with software. So this is a, is a common question because there are new things coming out all the time. When you say, what is the best solution to manage this, especially around software, there's so many different options. Uh, and it really depends on the field you're in. And you're not there's no indication of what field this is. So let's assume it's engineering, but there's different fields within engineering. The first thing to understand is what is your industry standard? That, that right off the bat is what's going to allow you to compare and then to understand what you really need to have. What's the ticket to go in? For most engineers that are doing complex projects, there are some tools that you can use. Um, for task management in particular, most people use a combination of things. Most corporations will offer Excel. Now they're offering a lot of the Microsoft 365 products, including Planner. You can also use a projects online version, which is like a more advanced uh, Microsoft Planner. Those things are going to be low cost because they're probably already included in your license fees and they're easy to use. So they're not going to be overly complex. And that's, I think, the key differentiator that we need to understand is do you actually need something very complex that's going to be managing a portfolio of hundreds of people, or do you just need it for the people on your team that have different teams to manage their stuff and their day-to-day -day activities? Two totally separate types of softwares are going to apply. I think, and my, my suggestion for this is manage the projects at a high level with your P6 schedules or your project schedules and have your milestones set up and know and have the team know where they're heading to and what they're going to. How the individual managers or the directors want to manage the actual tactical activities on those teams is up to them. And it's up to the people on the team as well and the leads. There are hundreds of different ways to do that. The first and the most common is with Excel because it's a very easy tool and you can do whatever you want with it. But if you want to get with something that's a little bit more advanced, you can use Microsoft Planner. That's something I would suggest. It's a step up from us just writing it and taking a note. It's a little bit more complicated, but it gives you enough detail where you can add people, add a different person that might be on your project. And, and that might be all you need. You may not need anything more than that. And that might be great for most people, actually. But if you want to take it a step level beyond that, then I would suggest maybe moving to something like 
Microsoft projects online. That would be very helpful. Notice I'm leaning towards Microsoft projects and Microsoft products because not that I'm, uh, I'm not actually sponsored by them. It's just, I know that most businesses are already using the majority of their online services, which is if you're using Microsoft Word, if you're using PowerPoint, which is very common in business, it's not that difficult. And oftentimes it's free to access these other online tools. So this is just me putting something out there that you've already probably have access to. And it's not going to, it's not going to be an IT request to get this most likely. Now let's get into things that are, are likely going to cost money. There are other tools out there that you may have been seeing that are more expensive. One of them that I've been playing around with, and I'm actually coming out with an article very soon on this, is Asana, which is a software tool that manages and tracks projects in a both agile way, which is a more you know systematic daily type task management process. And it also does what people call the sequential method, the waterfall method. There's a lot of different names, but it's the, the normal project planning method. It can do both. I think it's much better for, for the agile method than the sequential planning, especially if it's more for, for more complex. But outside of that, it also does task management and it does that very well. So if you just want to track stuff, get automated dashboards, get all that stuff, it's a, it's a pretty helpful tool that you could use. So that's another one I would recommend. That cost that might not be included in your plans or in your work. So that may be an additional cost. There are others that you could use. I mean, the software, the amount of PMP software products out there are extensive. I am at this point would, would limit my recommendations based on what I know to those couple of, of things, because I think they're going to be capturing the majority of what you need to do. All right, Pam, thank you for the question. All right, Pam, thanks for the question. And now we're going to go to the next question, which is from Kim from Texas. My organization is a startup and we seem to ping pong on decisions that are important, especially around long-term planning. Is there a way to increase focus and reduce our ADD on decisions? Oh, the ADD on decisions. How do we feel about that? You know, the people, the ADD on decisions gives your people whiplash. It's like, yes, we want to do this project. Wait, hold on. No, we don't. Oh, wait, we want to twist here. Oh, we want to move here. Whiplash. Everyone in your team is getting whiplash. And you know what ends up happening when people get too much whiplash? They want to go to the hospital. And you know what happens in an organization when people are feeling like they're moving around too much on projects or they, they, we agree to something on one project and the next project, it becomes a hot, the next highest priority. People want to leave your company because they think and they feel like it's not clear to them that we know that the leadership knows what the focus is and what the priorities are. And guess what else happens when you're, when you're moving around like this? What else happens is when this happens, your people are doing a lot of rework. Rework is happening all the time. Go, go, go. 100 miles an hour. Go in this direction. Whoa, let's go move back 100 miles an hour. It's very uh, destructive to a company. So when you say that you're in a startup, which I I am in a startup and I understand this, and you're moving around decisions, part of this, people might say, oh, well, it's a startup. So we're going to be what we call pivoting. Okay. Yes, there is a part of pivoting that's normal and part of changing strategies and moving from one thing to the next. But the most important thing is to have a clear line of when that's happening. It's okay to change strategies, but can you communicate to your team, to your organization, to your company, when that's going to happen? That is key because then if you're telling somebody, hey, we're going to try this one thing for three months, six months, 
We're going to see what the results, what results we get after that point. And then if they're positive, we're going to continue forward in this direction. And if they're not, we're going to pivot and we're going to, we're going to do something different. That is so critical to the morale of a company and getting that focus and that clear line of sight to why we're doing what we're doing is essential. To back to your question, because I just I'm going to get off my my horse on this, but back to your question, which is more about what can we do to help. A couple of things in uh, in any decision making process, you need to understand who the decision makers are. That is not as obvious as it can seem. What do I mean by that? If you've ever been in an organization, you have leaders that are leaders on paper, and then you have people that have a lot of influence within the organization, but they may not be the formal leader. That can disrupt normal processes because you may think somebody's approving it, but then the other person comes in and they they want to go and do something else. So what needs to happen, and you don't need to go through it in detail, but you really need to understand who is the person that's approving something and who are the people that are supporting and providing their input. And that at the highest levels of the organization needs to be agreed on. And then it needs to be followed through with a discipline that can only allow you to follow what you've already agreed on. If you start deviating from that, it will turn into a terrible mess that will then need to be cleaned up. But the the most impactful portion of it is that people will feel this and they'll get just start feeling like they're getting ping-ponged around again. So the first thing you want to do is create that system, that first kind of like, let's just call it our our statement of what are we trying to do? What do we approve? Who's approving it? And then when do we say we can stop it, keep keep it going, or that we need more information? And when does that, that happen? That's setting up your structure in your organization at a high level. If, Kim, that doesn't exist, that is the first thing your organization needs to do is that there needs to be some structure to it. And oftentimes the argument or the, the, the balance that needs to happen between a startup is how much structure do we want? Because you don't want to have the same level of structure of a corporation because that is lame because that's the whole point. You're a startup. You have competitive advantage of moving quickly. So you have to balance the, the the moving fast, failing fast mentality of a startup with also having just enough structure that doesn't make you make stupid decisions or rehash decisions that were already made because we don't do a good job of tracking them or people can come in and subvert the process. That is, to me, the fundamental issue that needs to be worked first. If you have that process and the company and the organization holds to, the, to it and, the C, and everybody up from the CEO down is bought into it, then it will work. I hope that helped Kim. And I do want to leave you guys with one question, which is for this week, something I've been thinking about a lot or something I'm working on is how to be more thoughtful and curious to hear your thoughts. If you have any suggestions on this, or if you have any recommendations on how you're showing thoughtfulness within your teams, I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email at podcast at the Omar and we may even feature your response on the show.